Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 226. It doesn't matter the size of the step you take, as long as you're going in the right direction. Anonymous. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, my Indie Film Hustlers, to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host. Alex Ferrari. Today's episode is brought to you by Blackbox. Blackbox is a new platform and community that is all about financial freedom for filmmakers like you. If you join Blackbox, you will be transformed from being a worker to being a maker of your own content. And you'll be making steady passive income from the global market. Blackbox currently allows you to upload your stock footage once, get it to many global agencies, and then allows you to share that passive income stream with your collaborators. Whether you want to submit old footage that's been sitting around in your hard drives or create brand new content, Blackbox is for you. It's really quite revolutionary. With Blackbox, filmmakers can concentrate on making great content while Blackbox takes care of all the business BS. Just visit www.blackbox.global to find out more. Today's show is also sponsored by Studio Unknown. Studio Known is a crack team of audio post professionals known for quality sound on any indie budget. Whether you need a lush surround sound mix or a quick festival submission pass, Studio Known can help you with all of your post sound needs, from sound design and mix to Foley ADR and even a custom score. Contact Studio Known and mention the Indie Film Muscle podcast, and you'll get 50% off one day of ADR or 10% off your complete post sound package. Just go to studiounknown.com. Now, I know all of us uh, have problems getting our creative dreams off the ground, and we always struggle with our own demons or obstacles that we throw in front of ourselves or obstacles that are thrown in front of us, uh, trying to just go down the journey, go down the path to get to where we want to be, wherever that might be in our careers, in our just life journeys. And today's guest, Jeff Lizowitz, wrote a book to help you with that part of your journey. It's called No Effing Around, The No BS Guide for Getting Your Creative Dreams Off the Ground. And I had a chance to read this little book, and it is just plumb full of amazing little stories, uh, guides, uh, things that to just kind of help you. And it's kind of like a reference book that you can go back to again and again and again when you're feeling down or if something comes up uh, you know, against you. It really helps you break through a lot of that creative BS that, um, that we put in front of ourselves. I had to deal with that for 20-odd years of just constantly getting in my own way. 
And uh, this book hopefully will help you get out of your own way to make your dreams and your creative dreams uh, come true and your professional dreams come true as well. So this episode, me and Jeff really dive into the book, go over a lot of the the tips and techniques that he came up with um, to help um, creatives just get out of their own way and also just be able to achieve those goals that they're going after. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Jeff Lizowitz. I'd like to welcome the show, Jeff Lizowitz, man. Thank you so much for being on the show, brother. Hey, thank you. I'm happy to be here. So you've written this wonderful book uh, called No Effing Around, The No BS Guide for Getting Your Creative Dreams Off the Ground. And I wanted to have you on the show because I think everybody in the tribe listening definitely can help have get a little bit of assistance in that, getting their creative dreams off off the ground, myself included. So why did you uh, decide to write uh, the book in the first place? Well, I wrote this book really by accident. Um, <laughs> I was minding my own business, going to the coffee shop on a weekend morning, as I often do, to do some writing, whether it's on a screenplay or journaling or poetry or just whatever. And I just wrote this piece, which was... Uh, you know, sort of this empowerment kind of stuff. And when I was done, I was like, geez, this is pretty good. Maybe I should write a book. Why not? I've never wrote a book before. Let's do it. So I wrote an outline, you know, shortly thereafter and then busted the thing out. But it wasn't until after I wrote it that I realized why this was such an important piece for me and hopefully for the world as well. And that is because on one hand, I'm this big creative. I've spent my whole life as a musician, as a writer, as a filmmaker, as a photographer, all that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, I'm also really big into empowerment, empowering people. So everything from uh, being a summer camp counselor with the arts and crafts program to teaching songwriting to college students now. I also am a life coach, right? Practicing life, life, uh, life coach stuff. And something called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Repatterning, which is a sort of fringy philosophy, uh, psychology practice where you help people untangle their subconscious blocks mm-hmm. so they can move forward and make better choices um, around their world and, and, you know, the things that are sort of built in with them. So this book really put both of these pieces of myself together in the same place and uh, seems to be working. Now, why do people get in their own way, specifically in the creative world? Because I know I'm, I'm definitely a victim of that. People get in their own way as creatives for about a zillion reasons. But I believe it all comes down to our psychology. Because the way we think, both consciously and unconsciously, seriously affects and maybe even totally affects everything we do. So if you have a belief system that was sort of programmed into your brain when you were a kid, right, about not taking risks, okay, Mm -hmm. and that's in there and that's, that's your thing, and now it's time for you to take a risk in your creative life, guess what? You're probably not going to do it. On the flip side, if 
you were programmed with an idea that says, take every risk possible, anything goes, right? Maybe you sneak money out of your mom's retirement account to make a <laughs> film in black and white, right? Right. Right. Because, hey, any risk goes. Both of these um, strategies are really not that helpful. Both are too extreme. So if you can understand where you're coming from and the forces that are driving you as a creative, you will then be much better able to make better choices. Now, how can you discover um, what you love to do? Because I know a lot of people listening, you know, they listen to the podcast because obviously they want to be a filmmaker or, or screenwriter uh, or, or some sort of creative, but... But how do you know what you love to do? Because there's so many different things you can do even within the film industry. There's a thousand different jobs. How do you mm -hmm. find that thing, that it, that makes it, I got to do this for the rest of my life? Well, the, the biggest way to dig into that is to keep asking questions. And the question the, at the end of the day is always why. Why, why, why? But before you even get to that, take a look at what you love. Right. If it's, you know, if we're talking about making films, what do you love about films? Is it the story? Is it the way the character emotes on screen? Is it the special effects? Is it the sound? Right. I mean, this is pretty obvious, but it's going to drive you towards what you love. If you if you love experiencing it, you are then going to love uh um, creating it or working with it or something like that. So really just taking a look around. And then the next question is why? Why do you want to write a story? And what kind of stories do you want to write? There's, um, there's a concept out there called make your mess your message, mm -hmm. right? right? What is your pain? What is your, what is your tragedy? What is your, you know, the difficulties that you've had in life? And then Create a story from that if you're a screenwriter, right, or a director, things like this. So those are ways to start digging in. You know, another way might be to look at what you do want, like aspects around the sort of job or career path. What, do you want to work alone? Do you want to work with people, right? Mm -hmm. Huge difference. And that's going to separate you from, you know, separate these jobs in, in huge ways, also, yeah. I, mean, I would also throw in there, uh, ask yourself why you want to do something. Even if you find something you think you love, ask yourself why do you want to do it? Because are you doing it for money? Are you doing it for fame? Are you doing it for fortune? What, what's, what's the purpose? Or would you do it if you weren't getting paid? You know, that's, that's always a great – if you can answer that, I'm like, I would do this and, if, if I, and not get paid, I'll be happy. That is absolutely true because if you are being driven – by something that is not true to your heart mm -hmm. in any career. It doesn't even matter if it's creative. It can be anything. Mm -hmm. um, if your head and your heart are not aligned, you will never be able to take action that is, that is balanced and focused. And it will never get as far as you would like it to go. If you were just doing it for the money, you know, that's not a, that's not a real good driver. Hopefully there should be something else in there. I mean, we all got to get paid and, you know, of course, you I guess. survive. Ah. Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, but it's not the only factor and, you know, fame, like what is fame? And, you know, the question, like you said, is why, why do you want fame? 
Because guess what? When you get it, if you get it, it's not going to be what you think it is. I promise you that. I, I just had the pleasure of doing a, a, a pre-screening of uh, the new movie coming out called The Last Movie Star. I'm going to be having the director on soon, which is starring Burt Reynolds. And it is a story about basically a washed-up actor who was at one point the biggest movie star in the world. And it is heartbreaking to watch Burt Reynolds, for everybody who doesn't know, on, you know, for all the millennials out there who doesn't know who Burt Reynolds was, Burt Reynolds was basically Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt thrown together, and he was the number one star in the world for probably like six to ten years, um, making the most money out of all of them. And, you know, he's fallen on hard times, and, and you know, he's kind of fallen off. But the movie was brilliant. But the one thing I loved about watching that is when you're talking about fame, it doesn't get more famous than Burt Reynolds at the point of his peak. Like he, he was the biggest star in the world. But at the end, does it matter? What did you do with your life? Were you happy? You know? Exactly. What are you contributing? And what, you know, what, what are you, how are you healing yes. through your creative work? I mean, that's a huge part of my book and my workshops and stuff like that, you know, sort of the, the main theme of what I've got going on over here is using our creativity, our creativity to be seen, expressed and healed. Mm -hmm. Right. So what do I mean by that? To be seen? Well, you know, as we're running around in the world, it's easy to become anonymous, mm -hmm. right? It's just people everywhere. So there's that piece. But then the next piece is like, okay, what about your inner circles, your friends, your family, your you know significant others, coworkers, people like that? Do they see you and understand you? Yes, hopefully, somewhat, a little bit, maybe, right? But do they fully see you and understand you? So if you can use creativity to you know create something, whatever it is, song, movie, piece of writing, whatever, it's a new way to be seen. The second piece is to be expressed. So what do I mean by that? It means to go from the potential to the actual. So the potential is, you know, the dancer who knows all the moves, but she's sitting in the corner at, on the, you know, and then the dance floor is right there and the music's playing. In that moment, she is just potential. But as soon as she gets up there and actually does it, mm -hmm. that's when she becomes actualized as a dancer. So once you're seen and expressed, then the healing comes in, right? So a lot of creativity, a lot of films, a lot of books, a lot of stories especially are, you know, a way to have a catharsis, create a catharsis for yourself. What are my tragedies? What are my struggles? All this kind of stuff. You get it out there for the world. But it's even more than that, right? That's, that's a sort of obvious healing. Mm -hmm. But there's also a healing, I believe, that goes on when – you know, if you write a love song, right? Sure. Where's the healing in that? Well, the healing in the love song is all the loneliness that preceded the celebration of that song. Okay. Right. So when you're seen, expressed, and healed through your creativity, something really cool happens. You give a gift to the world. That's your film, that's your screenplay, that's whatever you're up to. And then here's the even cooler part, because it comes around in a circle. When, you, when you're seen, expressed, and healed, and you give your gift to the world, and by that I don't mean, you know, 
a major release of your film or this or that. I mean, mm-hmm. it can be a small thing, right? It can be a poem to your, your friend or your girlfriend or sure. something, right? But when you do this, you become the gift, right? Because you show others in the world that they can be seen, expressed, and healed. And this is freaking huge. If we all did this with this kind of intention, the world would rise in a way that would mm-hmm. be huge. You know, and, and one thing as I've gotten older in life, um, I've noticed this with films, um, going back to features, that when you, when you see a movie by a filmmaker or a group of collaborators who truly love what they are doing, who truly have an amazing intention, um, it, it spills off the screen. It spills off the screen. But it when, does. But when you watch something like, and I, I've bashed this movie enough, but I'll bash it again, <laughs> the Justice League, you watch that and you can see people in it who want to, but the, the box is not, you know, the, the, um, the car is not really well put together to go on the journey. Uh, you know, and it's just this, this Hollywood, like flashy stuff. And we've seen it a million times, you know, with all the Transformer movies, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. You can tell that it's not coming with the right intention. Um, but you watch a movie like Black Panther and it spills off the screen, the intention off that movie. You know, it's, it, it literally, and audiences can pick it up. I totally agree with that. There is. Uh, you know, I believe almost like a metaphysical energy oh, yeah. that is imbued or infused into our creations. Mm-hmm. So an example I like to use on that is, you know, your basic pop star, right? You put them up there and yeah, they can sing. Yeah, the song has a hook. It sounds good. She's it's pretty. All... He's good looking. Yeah, sure. Exactly. And you might even like it and you might even like it for, you know, a minute or a week or a month. But then it disappears. Yep. And then you've got a song like Aretha Franklin going R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Mm-hmm. And you can feel that. Oh, my God, can you? That that song. Oh, God, you can feel. And like almost any song by you, too. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's because they're coming from the heart. They're coming from real truth. And they're tapped into it. And that is what audiences are always respond to i think also um and i know we're going off track a little bit but i think we're still on on topic is as as filmmakers as storytellers if we can if we can tap into truth and authenticity because in today's world there's so much bs there's so much fake news if you will fake this or fake that or you know people putting out these fake lives on Instagram that like, look, my life is perfect or on Snapchat when you know, and I know it's not one, but when you put something that's truth out there, people so, so can feel it and, and are drawn to it because they want authenticity in their stories. They want truth. They want to feel something from the artist, not something that's manufactured truth because Manufactured truth might have worked in the past, but people are so savvy now. And that's why Hollywood's having such a tough time. You know, uh, they're having a really tough time, uh, you know, unless they're able to tap into some of those real truth. And I'm not saying you can't have a fun movie and have truth. Like, I'll, I'll, again, Black Panther, I saw it. It was wonderful. So much fun uh, to watch. But you could just see it spilling off the screen. Mm-hmm. The authenticity of that movie. 
of uh, Ryan Coogler, who, who wrote it and directed it. It was amazing. It was amazing. But would you agree with that? I totally, totally agree with that. And I believe there is uh, a major paradigm shift coming and actually underway right now um, with artists and thinkers and business and all this stuff. Because you're right, people are sick of the crap. They're sick of corporate you know, agendas. They're sick of just just things without any soul or truth or well that's or, why artisan foods and artisan crafts and you know and, you know they don't want to buy a table that was made in china they want to make it they want to know who made their table you know things, <laughs> exactly it's i mean fact, and, and to a, to an extreme i mean i don't want to get hipster on everybody but um <laughs> but but artisan food like understanding where food comes from where organic food comes from uh, as opposed to McDonald's. That's why McDonald's is having such a – and all these fast food places are having such a tough time because the uh, the world is changing and they're being left behind uh, in, in, in their wake. Uh, and people want that authenticity in their food, in their in their entertainment, in their books. You know, you can go back. There's certain books. You go read 1984 tomorrow t- today and it's still going to ring true. Right. And it's going to ring and, true in another 50 years. Maybe a little and, too true. <laughs> and, th- and this is – a huge opportunity for us mm-hmm. as independent creators, mm-hmm. right? We have tools now, obviously, with you know cameras and all kinds of computers and the internet and podcasts and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as well as distribution that you know we've never seen before, you know. So we can tell powerful stories without spending a hundred million dollars to do it. Oh yeah. Right. Absolutely. So that is a key piece that, you know, I, I think filmmakers really need to hear. It's like, yeah, it's great to have the production values and all that kind of stuff. But what's really going to drive the story is a great story and actors who care. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not actors who want the biggest um, uh, the biggest trailer. Uh, right. it's, it's about the story and about getting into the weeds and, and exposing themselves, not physically, but emotionally and spiritually on that screen. That's why when you watch Meryl Streep, God damn, man, every time. <laughs> it's because she knows how to do Daniel Day, same yeah. thing. Like every single time they just know how to tap into that truth without question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's pretty insane. It's pretty insane. So let me ask you, you suggest people fail fast. Um, I agree with you and I understand what you're saying, but can you explain it to the audience why people should fail and fail fast? People should fail fast because failure is an absolutely necessary step to success. Okay. I have talked to hundreds of success, like very successful people in different fields and they all say the same thing. Thank goodness for failure. Right. Mm-hmm. So here's the deal. Failure. First of it. First of all, it's looking at it in such a way that it's not you are a failure. It is I failed. Right. And there's a very big difference. And that goes back to the psychology again. Right. If you identify yourself as a failure, that's not good. And you really got to work on that. But when you look at it as I failed in this particular, you know, event or or creation or whatever you're going for, that's fine, right? You separate it, you deal with the pain of it perhaps, and then you step back and you're like, what 
can I learn from this? Mm-hmm. Okay, here's what went wrong. Here's what could uh, be optimized. Here's what could be better. Here's what could be cheaper. Or here's what I want to spend more money on. You know, whatever. Just ask a million questions because remember, the better the questions that you ask, the better the answers you're going to get. Right. It's like a question like, why did I suck at this? Not a good question. (laughs) Not a good question. Exactly. It's going to, yeah. As opposed to like, what can I learn from this situation to make myself be a better filmmaker or person? Exactly. Better question. Exactly. So, you know, my philosophy of fail fast is you get it together the best you can. You get in the car, you, you step on the gas, you crash into the wall, right? you step back, you learn what you can learn, you get in the car and you step on the gas again. And hopefully you go a little bit further this time. You know, the funny thing is that with that mentality, I've done that so many times in my life where I just get in the car and just drive. To see mm-hmm. what happens, and I've crashed <laughs> multiple times, um, like as you as you should. Um, exactly. And then with my latest film, uh, I actually got in the car, and 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 just put the gas th- to the floor, and I didn't crash, which was very odd for me. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, it, it things are things are happening. What's going on? It was a fast trip, but I got it done. And I think, well, I wouldn't have been able to do that unless I crashed a million times before. And I could just weave and dive through the obstacles that I knew were coming. Um, right. But you need to fail. And I would say not only fail fast, but fail often. Yes, absolutely. As well. Um, now, are there any tips on how, on how to handle the world just slapping you or kicking your ass on your journey? Because reality in the world always comes in and just slaps you across the face. It, it happened to me in my early 20s. And anytime I see someone young or even someone uh, older who's got a complete chip on their shoulder or completely arrogant. I'm like, I don't care who you are. It will happen at one point or another. The world will come crashing down on you. And some, sometimes bigger than, than, than than you expect. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you, um, what kind of advice can you give people on how to handle that first slap across the face from the world? Sure. Well, the first the first thing I would consider is not taking it personally. Okay. <laughs> yes. I mean, that sounds pretty basic, but it's true because as creators, you know, somewhere within us, we believe that our creations and our projects are us <laughs> in a way that is different from the way an accountant might think of this. An accountant screws something up. Ooh, you know, sorry, you know, that's my bad or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it's their baby, right? It's not their child, right? But creatives tend to believe that what they are creating is them. So you must separate this conceptually in your head, right? And that is going to give you a lot more distance and a lot more breathing room from the pain that the world (laughs) will definitely give to you at one time or another and really really a lot of the time, you know, if you're going for it, you're going to get way more rejections than six and failures than successes in any of this. You know, when I was in college and I was getting ready to graduate, you know, I've got all my creative dreams and stuff. And my uh, advisor um, sits me down and she says, you know, if you're going to be an artist, get ready for 97% pain and rejection. 
And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And now it's like, yeah, I maybe pick that up to 98 and a half percent. <laughs> you know, it's like there's a lot. So there's the one piece. This, the other piece is sort of what we talked about before, which is process and product, right? If you genuinely and deeply love doing the thing that you are doing, there is a gift there Mm -hmm. as opposed to, I got to make a ton of money. I got to be famous. I've got to win some award, like, like the ego stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you genuinely love writing screenplays, Hey, of course it's great to sell one. Of course it's great to produce one and go for it. And I'm totally down with that. And you're going to have a lot more longevity and a lot more, health in your heart and being Mm -hmm. if you get value simply out of doing it absolutely and yeah so much more because that kind of lessens that's a great that's some great advice because if you love doing it regardless of what the outcome is which is one thing i've always said is don't attach outcome to whatever you're creating as much as little as possible because that's when you really get hurt uh, mm-hmm. And that's when those slaps really, really hurt, uh, without question. Now, can you discuss uh, a, a, the two major motivating forces that guide most of every decision that we make, which is avoiding fear and gaining love of one way, shape, or form, or love of something? Absolutely, those are the, those are the true the two forces that will guide everything. We are either moving towards love or avoiding fear, uh, you know, and pain and, you know, those kinds of things. So it's really critical to, again, ask yourself questions. What are you doing and why are you doing it? Right. And if you're moving towards love and and there, there are reasons to move away from fear and, and conflict and pain and all that. I mean, there's definitely a purpose there, right? But to use these powers and these motivators in such a way that helps you, you know, move towards the truth of who you are and what your expression is. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, the outcome might not be exactly what you thought it you wanted, but it will still be valuable for you. I mean, I'm sitting here now talking about this book and all this stuff you know, around empowering creatives, guess what? Up until, you know, two years ago, I had no idea this was like really my mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I want to be a rock star and a filmmaker and all this stuff. And I, you know, still love all that stuff. But again, I was attaching this huge outcome to these endeavors. Now it's like, Hey, you know what? I'm going out here, I'm doing my thing. And, you know, hopefully people will get some value out of it. And, and same exact same thing for me. Three years ago, I had no idea that I was going to be doing this, interviewing mm-hmm. people like you, doing a podcast, doing a website, doing all this kind of stuff. And if you would have told me, oh, you would have shot two feature films uh, and you you know, have this podcast and you know, and this community you've built up and helping people, I would have never, would have never believed it. Mm-hmm. So, it. But when you find it, you're like, oh, oh this feels good. I'm going to keep Absolutely. doing it. I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> and, and again, I believe that's the alignment of our head and our heart and our action. Yes. 
Yes, without question. Because, I mean, I've been, I know you've been on projects like this too, but you're on a project, you're doing it for the money or you're doing it for something other than what really you should be doing it for. Mm -hmm. And it never turns out right. It always becomes painful. It always becomes stressful. It always is. It's a, it's a car crash, car wreck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? I, <laughs> hey man, I've crashed that car plenty of times. <laughs> and it's tough sometimes because you want to take them, you know, sometimes a gig is a gig mm -hmm. and you got to do it for the money sometimes. And don't get me wrong. I've done that millions of times. Um, and that, and that's okay. There's sure. nothing wrong with that. But as we move forward in our lives, you know, the question is ask the questions of what can drive you towards sustainability you know, as a, you know, making a living or whatever. And also what, why do you want to do the thing that you want to do? Because that is going to make a huge difference. And again, you know, we're sort of talking about this in terms of like career stuff, mm -hmm. like, but it doesn't have to be, you can make films on the weekends for the hell of it. Yeah. You can write screenplays because you like writing screenplays and not even worry about selling it or making the things. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm hmm. It's just, you know, again, it comes down to the process and the product. What are you trying to do? Why are you doing it? And, and, and it's never too late. That's the other big thing I, 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 I love to preach. It's like, look, if you're 50, if you're 60, and you want to start writing screenplays, start writing screenplays. Lena. Sure. What was it? Julia Childs was 64, 65 when she started. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and uh, the colonel from KFC, I think he was like 70. When he opened up his first KFC. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good piece of trivia. I like that. You know, like these guys started late in life. It, there's no reason why age should stop you. You know, uh, in a lot of ways, as you get older, you have a lot more tools in those toolbox to get started as opposed to a 20 year old getting started in the exact oh, yeah. same field. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Now, how do you handle that wonderful little voice in your head? That tells you you're not good enough. Why are you even bothering doing this? You're, you have no talent. Right. Look at you. How do you handle that guy? I call that little voice in our heads the ick yeah. or the inner critic, right? You've sure. sort of heard that before. And it is true that if the ick gets loud enough or talks long enough, it will kill any creative dream that – comes across your your heart right so how do we deal with this thing well first of all we have to realize that it's actually there for a reason okay the reason is outdated outmoded whatever but the reason is to keep you safe okay mm -hmm. so you know you go back you know ten thousand years or whatever it's to keep you safe from the tiger and you know all those kinds of things but now the world is a lot different we're not faced generally with that many physical threats. Now it's more emotional threats or possibly financial threats, right? Are we fitting into the group? Are we, you know, or is our ego balanced and, and healthy or not? Things like that. So first by acknowledging that the ick, you know, the, your inner critic is there for a reason and to honor it for that, right? Mm-hmm actually lessens its power, right? Then 
you sort of you can get into meditations. And I do this in my workshops and my, you know, stuff like this meditations where you go in, you go into your mind, you go into your heart and you'll be like, OK, again, thank you for your service, but you are not needed here. And I've got various exercises where you can essentially turn down the volume on what the ick says and how it says it. Mm-hmm. By loving the ick and letting it go, you take away its power. And that is tremendous because if it's too loud, it is going to screw you up. And we've all had it, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, he, yeah. My ick is, my ick was on uh, full blown. He was full blown, but eventually you kind of you kind of wrangle him down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's that little voice. I always tell people this story: the little voice, like, look, the little voice in your head is the, is your best friend and your worst enemy at the same time. Because mm-hmm. we all we all had a dinner and then we're stuffed because we ate this huge dinner, and all of a sudden dessert tray comes out. And you want to like, uh, all right, let me just have the piece of cheesecake. It just looks too good. And that little voice inside of you is telling you, yeah, just have the cheesecake. Don't worry. You'll go to the gym a little bit more. You'll, you'll burn it off. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Then that night when you get home and you take your clothes off in front of the mirror, that same voice goes, you fat pig. Mm-hmm. Why did you eat that cheesecake? Mm-hmm. You've got to control that voice because if not, it will control you. Exactly. Exactly. Now, now um, there's a, there's a chapter in your book that says say yes and uh, agree to whatever is in front of you. Can you explain a little bit of that? Sure. So uh, years ago, I took an improv comedy class, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of different tenets about how to do improv comedy. One of them that really struck me was say yes. And, and what they meant by that was, you know, when you're improving a scene, you need to take whatever facts or information that everybody else is putting out there and assume it's true. So if, if somebody else says the aliens are coming down and there's spaghetti all over the floor, right, you buy it <laughs> and then you move on, you know, okay, maybe we should feed the aliens some spaghetti. It might be your you know, what you do as an actor in there. Okay. If you don't accept that reality, the whole thing stops dead. Right. Right. So I thought this was really a really smart way to think about the world, because if you say yes in your life, what that essentially means is I am accepting reality as it is, as objectively as you can look at it. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the first piece. Where are you really? What are your skills? Where do you want to go? What's your thing? Right. And then the second piece is say yes and blank. What can you add to what's already there? How can you create value? How can you move forward? How can you do all this kind of stuff that is going to essentially step the scene up, right? Just like it does in improv comedy. What's the scene in your life? That you can step up. So, you know, if, if, if the reality of your life is I can't afford a big fancy camera, but geez, I've got my iPhone. That's the yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what's the end? Well, geez, I know a couple friends who are actors and I have this little script. Let's bust this thing out. Mm-hmm. So now you've accepted reality and you've created value and moved forward. 
with that, which is a lot different from the mindset of, well, geez, I only have an iPhone or not even realizing you have an iPhone. Um, I can't get up my $30,000 to do my scene, you know, I have to hire all these people and stuff like that. Sure. It's great if you have that, but that's not your reality. Right. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> so by clearly looking at what is your reality, you can then step forward in more meaningful and powerful ways. That's a powerful, really powerful statement. Honestly, it, it, it really is because I was caught in that in that world for so long. Of I can't make I can't make a move until everything's perfect. Until mm-hmm. I have the right camera, the right DP, the right cast, the right story. Like it, it and it it, it 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 froze me for twenty years. Uh, you know, until I finally just said, screw it. I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to do And I, I, I actually just said, this is my reality. This is what I'm going to go do. And that, I mean, that's my exact story filmmaking wise too. Um, I was trying to sell my screenplays, you know, to Hollywood producers and stuff. And they're like, you know, getting the bites, but you know, no sales. And I'm finally like, screw this. I'm just making, I'm making a short. I'm just doing it. Mm-hmm. And I just did it. Mm-hmm. Amazing, and, isn't it? It's amazing. It's also amazing. By the way, this might be helpful for your listeners. I put that thing out. It's called Mystic Coffee. Mm-hmm. I put it out to tons and tons of film festivals. And I got shot down by every single one of them. And I was like, oh, man, wow, that's a major fail, right? right. And then I get a call out of the clear blue from a company called Gaia TV. Sure. Which is right. Conscious media is what they do and mm-hmm. call themselves. And they're like, somebody showed us your film from a film festival, you know, or, you know, a curator at a film festival or whatever. And we love it. We want to give you a 10 year, uh, non-exclusive deal worldwide. <laughs> I'm like, sure. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and now the film's out there, it's making money and people are seeing it. That's so awesome. you don't ever know the way it's going to go. And it's never the way you think most of the time. <laughs> it's rarely the way you think. It's it's rarely that way. And it generally sometimes is better. Uh, a lot of times I find it's better than what you uh, imagined. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least different. <laughs> at least different. At least right. definitely different without without question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, the the whole uh, – oh, by the way, I don't know if you knew this or not. Steven Soderbergh just made his, his latest film on an iPhone. Really? Purely because, and you know, obviously, Stephen can shoot it on whatever he wants, right. but he decided to go on an iPhone. I, I watched the trailer of it. I was like, "Looks pretty good." <laughs> and I'm sure I, I would love to hear his, um, you know, his reasoning for doing that. I think he just. I think he's one of those guys. He's like he's never going to make a movie for a studio again. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done with that. So yeah. he he just said uh, that he's going to be doing his movies the way he wants to make them. And just go out and shoot them, and just he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because he's got the clout of who he is, actors will come and work for him, and and he's gonna just do his movies. And I think he wanted to. Exp- I, I think he wanted to prove that it could be done, mm-hmm. which is a lot of stuff that he's done. Is like I'm just gonna prove that it could get done, right? You know, and he's just gonna do it, and it looked pretty good. You know, I mean, if you watch Tangerine, which is Sean Baker's beautiful movie. <clears throat> shot on the iPhone. It looked great. It was like remarkably great. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see his latest movie, Florida Project? I have not. Oh, oh, such a great. Movie. We cool. completely, completely um, uh, snubbed 
He should have been. A, that should have been an Oscar-nominated film, <laughs> without question. But anyway, um, so let me ask you: What advice would you give a filmmaker or screenwriter wanting to break into the business today? Well, basically, what you just said, which is just do your thing and love what you're doing. If you're a screenwriter, write screenplays, put them out. You know, do whatever you got to do there with that kind of the business stuff. But write the screenplays for the right reasons, the reasons that matter to you. Um, same thing with a filmmaker. Bust out your iPhone or borrow your buddy's camera. Do, like, just do it. However you can do it, you're going to be moving forward. You're going to be getting better at your craft. You're going to be failing fast. And you're going to be getting better. And you're going to be stepping closer towards your goal. And at the end of the day, if you love what you're doing, you're already winning. Oh, God. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Now, can you tell me what book had the biggest impact on your life or, or career? Wow. <laughs> I've, let, I've read a lot of books. <laughs> um, I, the first one that uh, – the one that pops into my mind is Catcher in the Rye. Mm-hmm which I turned on to probably as a maybe 12 or 13 year old. It was sitting in my parents' bookshelf. And I read that book literally every year from probably 13 to 25. I love that book so much. Mm -hmm. And then I stopped. And then, you know, maybe when I was sitting around 40 or so, I read it again for the first time since then. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was amazed at the difference of perspective oh, yeah. um, that I had between being younger and being a little older. So what did I get out of that book? I think I related hugely to, obviously, to Holden Caulfield, the character, um, specifically in ways that he could see through the bullshit of the world. Half of this book was him looking at stuff and saying, like, man, this school that I'm at, everybody's a phony, right? And here's the beauty in this little piece of the world over here that nobody's even looking at, right? And over here, this is, this is a bunch of crap, right? So, you know, growing up and, and even now still, I have the same mindset. I'm like, where is the beauty? Where is the truth? And where is the nonsense? And let's get rid of the nonsense. Let's think for ourselves, please, right? (laughs) We are so inundated with media, with, you know, peer group, with advertising and marketing, with social, with, uh, you know, like educational institutions and government, like all this stuff has a gigantic effect on us. And if you're not, if you don't have your filters up, this stuff will brainwash you. Mm-hmm. So again, being more conscious and asking questions, why do I think I have to buy this expensive thing? Hmm. Is it because you really need it? Or is it because you've seen 40,000 ads for it? <laughs> right? If I, if I, if I may translate that for filmmakers, do I really need to buy an Alexa? Mm-hmm. Or can the iPhone work? Or can a Blackmagic pocket camera work? You know, or a, a cheaper, you know, that, that whole gear, people buying gear again and again and again and again. 
do you really need it? Or what do you, what's the minimum thing you need to do your art? Exactly. And it can be an excuse. Oh God. Right? Yes. I need, I need all this expensive stuff and a huge budget to do my thing. No, you don't, you know, the freaking Beatles made Sergeant Peppers with a four track. <laughs> Right? right. So if they can do that, what can you do with all of this stuff? Most of which is so cheap and even free. Right. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. And for the kids in the audience, the Beatles were a band back in the sick. No, I'm joking. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just saw an amazing documentary on how the Beatles changed the world and just completely changed my perspective on um, I, I love them to death before, but I really love them after I saw that documentary. I just saw that too. Isn't that good? On Netflix. On Netflix. An amazing yeah. documentary, right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that they literally changed the music industry multiple times. Yeah. It's remarkable. Um, now, what is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether in the film business or in life? Wow. Well, I'm still learning it. I'm sure, <laughs> but something recently came up um, that is really pretty extraordinary for me, and this goes down into the, the the psychology. So, I was I was with some people, and I was saying, "Hey, you know, my business around my book and my workshops, in some ways, it's going great. I'm getting out there. I've got clients. I'm you know people." Sh- showing up to the events and all this kind of stuff. Fantastic. But it's really not getting as big as I would like it to be. I'm not having as much impact as I know I could. Right. So they were sort of giving me advice or thoughts on it. And one person said, you're not confident. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. I'm confident. When I started, I was not confident. You know, of course I'm starting a new thing. It's out of my comfort zone. Now I can talk about this stuff. I know what I'm doing etc etc so i really felt in my mind that i was confident however somebody else said to me you're you are confident in your mind but your heart is not fully ready to be seen and i was like holy mind blown (laughs) mind blown (laughs) and this has you know without getting too far into it this has been sort of an issue under an undercurrent of my uh consciousness my whole life for various reasons and so i took this little bit of wisdom and i'm still doing this journaling on this why is it that i am not really ready to be seen and how can i be seen and how would it feel to be seen because that's vulnerability right that's huge you're putting yourself out there as any creative does um and then meditations around this stuff again using some of these nlp techniques that i know to re essentially rewire my subconscious and let me tell you something within days of this happening and this was really just like two three weeks ago within days of this i have gotten a ton of new clients a ton of new opportunities to speak and do my thing and workshops and all this stuff without changing my outward actions in any significant way mm-hmm. amazing isn't it <laughs> it's amazing and that, and that is why i really believe so deeply that it's not just 
your head and your action in the world. That'll help, of course, you know, move you towards your goals. But it is the energy within you. And if you can unblock that and move that forward, that is it will help you in tremendous ways. And sometimes it, it takes a lifetime for people to understand that. Uh, it does. That they, they they just they they die bitter and angry because they didn't achieve their goal. But a lot of it was like you just didn't find this one key inside of you to unlock that part that's stopping you. Because at the end of the day, if you keep pushing forward, um, and obviously if you keep hitting the wall in the same place. Uh, and the wall's not moving. You got to change your direct, change your 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 attack, if you will. Sure. Um, but at a certain point, if you keep at it, you will have to make some sort of some sort of headway. And and you know, look, if your goal is like I need to win ten Oscars, I'm like, you, this is not this is not first of all a horrible goal to start the the, the journey on. If that's right. if that's the only reason right. you're doing it is to get ten Oscars, then what's the point? Right. Um, but I think that people do get so they, – they see that thing inside of them or they don't see that thing inside of them that stops them. Like me, it took me 20 years mm-hmm. to get out of my own way. And once I got out of my own way, it was like a rocket ship. It, it, it just took off in a way. And it's only happened in the last three, three years or so um, for me. And it was because I got out of my own way and I got a lot of these preconceived notions out of my head. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, God, what? it's going to be my first movie. My first movie has to come out. It has to be Reservoir Dogs. You, right. You know, it's got to it's take the world by storm. I'm like, no, dude, it does not. Mm-hmm. You could just make a movie. And if it's good, great. If it's not, you make another one. <clears throat> and so on. So it, it is, uh, it's sad. But anytime I see that in people, I always try to help as much as I can. Because I'm no expert by any stretch, but... I always try to, to like look inside what's stopping you because you've mm-hmm. been doing this for 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Like there's something, oh, there's something I, I, and it's more likely something inside of you. Exactly. It's, it's always, let me just say that it is always you to some extent and usually to a large extent. Right. Um, so again, that's what I do with my coaching and that's what I do with these workshops is um, you know, help people not only with the practical actions, because that's important too, but dig into the why, unblock these pieces that are screwing us up, create different identities. Did you fail or are you a failure, right? The, all this kind of stuff. Are you ready to be seen? Why or why not, right? And if we get into that stuff, it changes. It just changes everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, what are three of your favorite films of all time? Oh my! Mm-hmm. Um, well, <clears throat> gosh, three. I'm gonna go with uh, you know it's so easy to say it, but Pulp Fiction because I mean that's just so great. It's such a great movie. Uh, first Star Wars movie. Uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I feel connected with Luke. <laughs> yeah, we all do. That's why that's why it's Star Wars. <laughs> that's right. I sort of escaped my home planet, and I you know believe in the Force. I'll turn that freaking scope off for that last you know killer shot. Yep, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Um. What's another one I love? Well, I love uh, Contact. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love Contact. You know, I mean, that's essentially faith and and science. You Though know, McConaughey and, I, and Foster had absolutely no chemistry, but the movie was great. Yes. Um, 
I and one of my screenplays is thematically similar to that uh-huh. uh, panacea's dream about a shaman and a scientist who invent a pill that cures any illness and it works, but they don't know why it works. And you know when the scientist's sister starts dying and the pill doesn't work for her, the scientist has to figure this out. Nice. Right? Sounds yeah. Weird. Yeah. Sounds right. So, you know, I mean, I could list a bunch more movies, but. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. No worries. Three's good. Three's good. Now, where can people find you? Right. Best way is jefflizowitz.com. Hopefully you can spell that right. I'll put it in the the show notes. And yeah, um, sign up, uh, you know, for the newsletter and you can have free chapters in my book. So that's cool. And then again, I do the coaching. And uh, both creativity and business coaching, by the way, you know, branding, social media, all that kind of stuff, and uh, online workshops. So you can be anywhere and we can do this. Awesome, Jeff. Man, thank you so much for dropping some beautiful knowledge bombs on the tribe today. I really appreciate it. I hope it inspires some people uh, to, to ask the deeper questions on their Absolutely. path and on their journey. Thank you, Alex. And again, If we can all do this, be seen, expressed, and healed through our creativity, the world will become a better place. It just will. Absolutely, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed uh, Jeff and I's conversation. I learned a lot from it, and uh, I really want to thank Jeff so much for being on the show and dropping some major knowledge bombs on the tribe. So thank you, Jeff, so much. If you want links to anything we talked about in this episode, head over to IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash 226 for the show notes. There you'll have links to the book, which I highly recommend you get. It's a small little book, but it is just plumb full of great, great stuff to help you guys on your path. So please check it out. And I also want to remind you that Suzanne Lyons and my indie film producing masterclass is coming out April 9th. And if you want to get in early, please email ifhsubmissions at gmail.com and you'll get on a list to get it a little earlier than everybody else. Uh, and maybe even a slight discount. Uh, and it's going to be $90 and and uh, for retail, and it's going to stay at that price. We're rarely ever going to have any specials. But if you email now and put yourself on the list, there will be a $15 discount. So please email at ifhsubmissions at gmail.com. And if you guys really want to understand indie film producing from someone who's been doing it for many, many years and has worked with big stars and done budgets from $50,000 budgets all the way up to $15 million budgets. Understand all the legalities, all the paperwork that you're going to need, contracts, uh, all that kind of stuff, releases, all of that's included in the course that you can download as well. So ifhsubmissions at gmail.com to get in early. And as always, keep that hustle going, keep that dream alive, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. 
Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia 